0: Good morning, morning. you get those coffee and donuts for sure, especially if you're at home and comfortable because I could put you to sleep. Uh, Glad to be here? Yeah, okay, both of you. That's good. Good morning. I know we sang, you should be awake. We are uh, continuing our series in the book of Galatians. And, uh, and it's Happy Sunday. I got great news for you today. Uh, last couple weeks we've been covering things like, you know, your identity in Christ, your call in Christ, your faith. Uh, today you're getting adopted. Congratulations. And you're going to maybe think, well, I'm already in a family. Well, that's, it's a spiritual thing. Um, today we're going to talk about your adoption in Christ and why that's important, why it's better than some of the other options of all the options you want adoption. All right? little rhyme for you. Uh, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4. Good morning to you online. Let me wave and say hi. Last I checked, we're approaching almost 30 online. Um, and there's a ton of people here. So that gives me a little confidence in the health of the church, right? That's great. Uh, let's pray, and then um, then we'll be Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for a chance to worship, to sing to be reset, reminded. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to sit at home comfortably or sit in the sun or sit in the shade. But wherever we are, Lord, to sit with you. And we're reminded that you've asked us to do that regularly. So uh, we're, we're coming in obedience. And I pray that you would bless us for that. pray that you would show us in your word, through the leading of your spirit, uh, why it is that you have done and continue to do what you do uh, and why you call us into it. And so I pray, Lord, you would uh, bless this time and uh, and thanks for the weather. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Paul's like, uh, tar- start. we're starting the second half of uh, Galatians. And Paul has been, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Paul's been kind of like criticizing the church of Galatia he's he's it's basically a, a long letter that says stop it stop acting like this remember this 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 and this if you remember all those things then you'd act differently and you were doing fine before but you've kind of you've wavered you've you've been distracted you've kind of gone off course uh, and this morning's a fun one because he's gonna He's going to kind of get on their on their case a little bit, but remind them that everything's good uh, because they're adopted. And uh, I give you a little uh, verse at the top of your outline uh, that says that we could be that we've been adopted as sons. Um, but the passage gets a little technical, so let's jump in and we'll get we'll get flying on it. All right. Uh, uh, verse one. I mean that the heir. Last chapter, he's talking about how we're heirs in Christ, that we have some type of inheritance, okay? That's our relationship to, to, um, to God. And he's talking about also the heir who Jesus was to Abraham, that the heir of Abraham was prophesied that he was going to take care of some things. And so uh, Paul's justifying who Christ is and explaining it a little bit. Uh, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. He's talking about a little bit about how uh, how Jesus, under God, is kind of he's kind of under some timelines. And then we, at the same way, we're under some guidelines. We've got guardians until we hit a certain date when all of a sudden we get all this freedom and this inheritance and now it's time to run. Verse three, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elemental principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. That's verse 5. That's the one you have uh, verses 4 and 5 at the top of your outline. He says, you know, at the right time, although there was all these laws and rules and we have the Ten Commandments and we have all this history and hey, you should do this and you shouldn't uh, do that and avoid the other. At some point, God himself shows up on the scene. And I I think that's one of the best things that we want to remember. We're going to talk about it when we get to the fill-ins at the end. But the idea that God still shows up on the scene. Uh, From the very beginning, he was showing up on the scene. Do you remember? Chapter 3, Genesis. The serpent, the woman, the man. They call it the apple, but it never says apple. It says the fruit. And you have this whole story, and it it, it just goes south fast, does Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, the end of the story says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. God shows up in the garden. As Soon as something goes wrong, God shows up. Uh, makes you wonder if he was paying attention the whole time, huh? That was sarcasm, by the way. It was Socratic. Was he paying attention? Is he paying attention now? Will he be paying attention later? That's playing into your last filling, okay? This is a little little tease of what's coming. Uh, That was the end of verse 5. We're we're adopted now rather than something else. Verse 6, And because you are sons, heirs, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, boss? Abba, coach? Abba, ruler? Abba, king? No, what's it say? Abba? Father, many different relationships that we can be in in life, amen? (laughs) Not all of them good. If you have a good father, though, boy, isn't that one of the best? It's the closest thing that God has to explain to us what our relationship is like with him. Like if you had a great dad, it's amazing. I know. I do. I almost said did, but he's still around, right? It says, We call Abba Father. The Spirit of God in us calls out, it teaches us how to call out to Him and chase, pursue that relationship. Why would you, hey, loving dad? Why would you say that? I'm in trouble. I got myself. I know I was playing with that knife you told me not to play with. Dad, come here! Show me some love! Protect me! Fix me! Take me to the nurse who can sew me up. We call out for help. We call out for assurance. We call out for relationship, ultimately. Right? I mean, nurses are great. But once you leave the hospital, there's no relationship. We call out to something that's ongoing. A family Position that you now have, right? So you are no longer a slave, but a son. When you think that you have to be something, you have to look a certain way, you have to act accordingly, that's called slavery. Not traditional slavery, it's called mental, spiritual, emotional slavery. And we can submit ourselves to that in so many different ways. And Paul's like saying, "Uh, that's a horrible game. Why don't you choose a different game? Why don't you choose the game that God has chosen? Very different rules. And a much better outcome. You're no longer slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. That's kind of funny. A little implication there. Don't miss it. We come up with stuff that's really not that important and what do we try to turn it into? We try to turn it into God. Well, I don't really. I've never done that, Scott. I've, I know there's only one God. No, but you don't turn into a God. You wouldn't say it that way. You turn it into an influence. Or you turn it into a Goal. Priority. We have fancy words for it even like preference. Well, you know, I just I don't like that kind of stuff. You know, I'm not really designed. That's not really my thing. You start making decisions like that, you start putting limits on yourself as if something else is leading you. What's the only thing that's meant to lead us? God. Say God, that's right. Right? He's meant to lead us. So we're not to act like we got restraints or restrictions anymore, right? Regulations. Verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elemental principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Once, Once you get this freedom from Christ, once you get this Acknowledgement that God is your Father, that Christ died for you, that He solved many, many things on the cross, that it was the plan from the beginning. He's been setting it up since the Garden and before, and it's going to come to fruition in the end. When are you going to start acting like it? They don't have to worry about uh, what my family looks like, what my job looks like, how much money I make. All those things. There are trials and there are temptations. But they don't define us. What defined us is you're in a new family now. And so you don't have to act like that. In fact, uh, what does he put, point attention to? Verse 9 says it twice. Now that you've come to know God and be known by God, what if that was the driving force? What if the familial relationship with God was more important than your status, your accomplishments, your history, or your future? if you came to realize that actually the relationship with him is what drives and controls all of the things on the previous list. All of a sudden you start playing a different game. Verse 10. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Am I afraid I I may have labored over you in vain? Did Did I waste my time on you? You know how to measure all these other things like days and months and seasons, but do you know how to measure God? Are you really paying attention? Like to what is distinct about him and you? Verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you. Become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You knew it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. He couldn't leave. He was sick. So he stayed there and he did what he could. And while he was sick in Galatia, these people took care of him. Watch what happened. You knew it because it was this bodily ailment that he... Preach the gospel. That's verse 13. Verse 14. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. You see, they used to get it right. Verse 15. What then has become of your blessedness? How'd you change? You knew how to take care of each other, you knew how to do what was important to God. I witnessed it. I experienced it. You did it to me, and yet now you're acting like there's got to be a bunch of new rules. It it feels like us, folks. It feels like uh, whatever the politics are, where the economy are, whatever the county does. we got to stop letting that stuff define us. We're defined by who God is. And how do we hold on to our blessedness? Right, That's a new little fun little word for the week. Blessedness. Did you know you were supposed to be that? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. What? Were they doing well? They were. Is this saying that we should gouge out our eyes? Say no. No, this is an analogy or an allegory. He's going to do it some more here in a second. Uh, verse 16, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Ooh, you're in a close relationship and then all of a sudden somebody tells you the truth and now all of a sudden you don't like them or I don't want to be a part of that anymore or I'm, I'm out, I'm just going to walk away. Mm, how about you listen to the truth? How about you stick to what you were called to be originally? And just because you get a little different information or times get hard, you have trials or temptations, how about you stick at it? How about you toughen up? Fight through it. Verse 17. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. (laughs) These people that are trying to lead you, they're acting like you're great. Why? Why do people act like you're great? Why do people butter you up? When I say it that way, what do you know is coming? They want something, right? There's someone in my family who who will remain nameless to protect the identity of the guilty who comes in with the biggest little smile and the sweetest little voice. Hey! And what do I know? Instantly. Oh, they're acting like I'm great. Why? Because they want something, right? Watch what it says. (laughs) But for no good purpose. I know I'm not as great as they're acting like I am. I'm the same guy I was a few minutes ago before they walked in. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. All of a sudden they flip the script right there. Some people will butter you up. Somebody, some people will push you away, okay? Why do people push you away sometimes? Because they want to see if you'll work hard to get back. Just another form of manipulation. And Paul's saying, be careful of that. Recognize when people are manipulating you and resist manipulation. Remember that you're part of God's family now. And continue to act the way you know He's called you to act. As if you were adopted in. Hey, does, does our family act this way? Does our family do this? No. No, we open presents on Christmas Day, not on Christmas Eve. It's the right way, right? Verse 18, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for who I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He says God needs to do some more work in you, and I'm kind of in anguish because I know you're I know you're in process, but you got a little ways to go still. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed by you. I said I want to be around you and I want to maybe use a different tone. But are you going to get worried about the tone, or are you worried about the truth? Kind of implying I'll get there when I can get there, right? And now he's going to go into an analogy. All right, don't get, don't take this literally, or you'll be offended. If you take it as an allegory, it'll make sense, and you can grow from it. All right, he's actually going to say it's an an analogy. Right here we go, verse twenty-one. Tell me, you desire to be under the law? Do you not listen to the law? For it is written about Abraham, had two sons, one by slave woman, one by a free woman. Well, the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, right? Sarah and Abraham decided to try and have a son because she couldn't. God had promised Abraham a son and Sarah, and they said, well, it's not working. Let's go get, like, uh, another lady, and you can impregnate her. That's how we'll get the son. And God said, no, I made a promise to Abraham and Sarah, right? Uh, does God just make promises to men, ladies? No. no. Good, Right? Did God pay attention to the lady was part of the deal? Yes. Did the man and the lady discard that and try to come up with their own plan? Yes. And didn't go well. And that's why God says, oh, no, no, we're not doing that. Stop coming up with your own plans. You've been adopted into a family. Follow that. Right? So, uh, verse 23. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. The son of the free woman was born uh, through... What's that word there? Promise. It's a great word that's coming back in a little bit. Verse 24. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. There we have it. Paul saying this is an analogy, an allegory. Okay? These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing the children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But that Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, "Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear; break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband." It's a really deep thing here. It's it's this tension between Sarah and Hagar, and we'll get into that story when we touch that story the next time we go through that passage but it's this idea of hey you, you want to rejoice can you rejoice in spite of the fact that you, had, uh, you have uh, your husband has an offspring that's not through you can, can you figure this out or what about you're, you're the you're Hagar do you get to rejoice because you're not the child of the promise and God says, yeah, but I'm going to make sure you have inhabitants too, that you have a descendancy. There's a, there's a place and a way for both of them to be happy. But watch what he does with the analogy, right? Because there's an analogy between slave and free, back to our spiritual condition adopted in this family. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of, what's that word? Promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. There's a human side to us and our lives when we try to come up with our own plans, our own ideas, our own anxieties, our own fears, our own goals that they mess, they fight with, they twist the spiritual of where we're supposed to be going. It's a constant human factor that we got to fight against. I was always coming up with goofy things as a kid. You know who set me straight? My parents. Now, should I have kept pursuing all those goofy things, or should I listen listened to my parents? Oh, I know we're at church, and you asked a question, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but he wasn't <laughs> part of the story. Should I I continue to pursue my goofiness or should I listen to my parents? Parents, Parents, okay. It's the interactive portion of the morning. Paul's saying your relationship with the Lord is the same thing. Follow your parents, your spiritual parents, God the Father, Holy Spirit, and His Son. Be careful of the goofy things that you pursue. You didn't know that goofy was a theological term, did you? Mm-hmm. Verse uh, thirty. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. He's saying, "Put aside your old self and take on the adoption of your freedom." All right, that's the analogy. Okay, don't get stuck in the literal. That's a different story. Last verse. Here we go. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. You're free. You've been given a family. How great is that? May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen? Amen. Why is a family best just, I mean, I, wouldn't it be nice to have, like, a great job? the great boss? Wouldn't that be a pretty good relationship? I mean, you can get a really good paycheck, right? Maybe some bennies. Benefits. What's the problem with a job and a boss? What's the problem with it? Huh? It ends. Amen that's exactly it. You're preaching next week. Uh, you can get fired. Or a job can go away. Business can close down. Uh, can a family go away? Close down? Never changes, right? Family never ends, right? What about making the team? Getting selected in a uniform name on the roster and it's posted on the website. The handout as fans come into the stadium as oh, there's Scott. Oh, who's he? You got a coach who knows the game. Isn't that a great relationship? Sure. What's the problem with the sport? It's only for a season. What if you don't make the team next year? Or, as most athletes guys know and if they don't know they'll find out soon you eventually suffer from OLD (laughs) right you get old and all of a sudden there's these younger gals or guys who run faster Uh, they're a little bigger than you because you started shrinking right and then comes that phrase no country for old men you heard that phrase before? No, there's no, country, there's no country for old men. What's that mean? It means the younger guys are going to come up and take over. Because eventually you won't be able to compete. You won't be able to fight them off anymore. rough part of a sport or a team or a coach is that you can get cut. Your contract can end. What's the glory of a family? Hmm? It's always there never ends. What's your name? That change Only if you wanted to. It always cracks me up. People want to change their name. It's like, nah, I, I remember your name. I know what's your name. I know how you was born. Your mama called him Clay? I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> right? It draws attention to this idea that Paul says uh, in verse 15. He says, you know, adoption is a blessing. He says, what happened to your blessedness? It would be amazing if he could uh, wave a wand over you and give you all these abilities and all these resources and all of a sudden you could be self-sufficient and independent, accomplish all these things. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or would it be more of a blessing to just be in the family of the most powerful, the most capable, the most knowing, and always around? I love the idea. Like, if dad was always around, no matter what I'm doing, I could be like, hey, dad, hey, uh, did, I, did I get that right? Huh? Should I change this? Or, if you always had access, how cool would that be? You know, there's too many people, probably even some of them living in these buildings over here, probably look at a relationship with the Lord as a bunch of rules, restrictions, regulations. And they miss the blessedness that's meant to be. Well, let's find out if it's really blessed to be adopted in this family. Because I don't know about you. I want to be on the team and I want a paycheck and you know a couple of these other analogies would be really good. So I need to be sold on the family thing, right? The blessed, the blessing, that's your first fill-in at the very top of your outline there. There's a little one word thing. The blessing of adoption means you went from regulations to relationship. Verses 3 through 5, in the same way, also children enslaved to the elementary principles, they've got these things that control them. And verse 6 and 7, what does it say? 6 and 7 say, well, no, the Spirit comes to us and gives us this ability to cry out to God. If you have God on your side, how capable do you need to be? What kind of status do you need to have? Does it matter what your name is or how much you make? How about the the one that really hurts or feels great? Does it matter how many mistakes you made? Your IQ. There's no more regulations. I'm getting to this point where I hate rules. I go somewhere and there's too many rules, I'm out. No, I gotta do this and this and this and this. Now let's go to the next place. Let's just let's leave. leave. I love to be out of regulations. I want to show up to a place where they say, "Hey, Scott, I was hoping you'd come by." And you walk in, and they say, "Hey, sit anywhere you want. Do whatever you like." Right? That's what I want. So our relationship with the Lord, something like that, spiritually, Paul says, yes, that's number one, right? The blessing of adoption means that you went from regulation to relationship. Secondly, you have come to know God and be known by God. I love that verse, verse nine, it says, you know, you've come to know God. How about if that was the thing that was most important to you? Not what experiences you get to have or uh, jobs or other relationships, but that your pursuit of God was highest priority in all of the other things that you do. And then watch what he does with those things. That he would, he would, he would show up on the scene for you so that you could know him. Like the best part of our relationship with the Lord is, is not that we get better or we get blessed or the things we receive from it. Are you experienced the idea that the best thing we get from our relationship with the Lord is starting to know who he is and what he's like and what he cares about? That that is so backwards thinking for humans. Because it makes you put all of your pursuits off to the side for a second. Are they still important? Yes, but they're secondary issues now. Primary issue. What would Jesus do? I have a bracelet That's a goofy way to say it, but it's it's spot on. How would God have you pursue that relationship? How would God have you step out of that relationship? How would God want you to spend your time or save your money or whatever it is? It's this idea that you start to know what your dad thinks, and your dad starts to go, hey, he's the knucklehead. I'm going to have to be on the scene with him regularly. One of my favorite stories about my dad, we, uh, we, I was very young. It was like 1980. It was New Year's Day. We had moved, and I had no friends. You're like, oh, nothing's changed, Suscar. Huh, no. No. Uh, My friends were all back where I used to live, and so I asked my parents, New Year's Day, hey, can I go hang out on my old street, play with my friends? We used to play Nerf football in the street, baseball with tennis balls, and if you hit it onto the one guy's house, that was a home run, you know, all that kind of stuff, chalk bases out on the asphalt. We spent the whole day playing with my buddies, and the sun starts to go down, and my buddies start heading home, and I'm... I'm standing at the top of Shatter Ridge going, huh, I wonder what I'm supposed to do right now. And so I'm standing there, and the sun's going down, it's starting to get cold, it's getting dark, and I'm like, well, I hope there's a plan. My dad pulls up. I had to wait for a while. I'm cold now, freaked out. Dad pulls up, and this... This is a quintessential story of my dad. If you've met him and talked to him for any good amount of time, you know he's kind of like this. He pulls up. He pulls up. Like, I'm going to pull up. You're me, okay? You guys are me out there, right? He pulls up in the car. Looks over. Puts the window down. little empty seat where you could sit. But the door's not been unlocked. The window's just come down. And you're standing out there. He says, hey, Scotty. How's it going? You say, good. good. What you doing? Waiting. Oh. Did you have a plan? Was I supposed to come get you? How was I supposed to know that? The most famous kid answer ever, right? I don't know. I mean, it was a multi-sentence question exchange. I mean, it's more than just like 12 seconds. We're standing there for a little bit and we're having this. And it was almost like he was teaching me a lesson. And he said something that has shaped me from that day. About my relationship with him, 100%. And it wasn't until later in life that I started to realize he was actually unknowing to himself. He was actually starting to teach me a little bit about God, too, in that moment. He said, I want you to know that you're my son, and I love you. And no matter what, I will always come for you. Ready to go home? Get in the car. I started to know my dad. And he started to know me. It wasn't because of anything I did, or because I hadn't made mistakes, or I'd accomplished something, or any of that. That's family right there. That's how it's supposed to be. So the blessing of adoption means you went from regulations to relationship, and you have come to know God and be known by God. Lastly, the blessing of uh, of adoption means you get freedom. You're free. You can think whatever you want. You got no strings to hold you down. I love that song. You know the Pinocchio story from Walt Disney is the Bible. It is the gospel. It is the story of Jonah. It is the story of the prodigal son. It is a bunch of Christian biblical stories all thrown together. And one of the pieces thrown in this is this thing, this Pinocchio puppet, who's controlled by strings. But his dad takes him in, and all he wants to do is be a real boy. And who 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 does um, is it Giuseppe? What's the guy's name? Giuseppe, uh, I Geppetto. I, Giuseppe's stuck in my head for other reasons. Uh, Geppetto adopts him, and he loses the strings. Right now, all of a sudden, he's got all this freedom. The question is, what do you going to use that freedom for? Build that relationship with Dad or run off with the lost boys and get yourself in trouble? Freedom can be a great thing or it can be a curse, can it? The second thing you get, you get freedom and the second thing you get, you get inheritance. How great would it be if God said, hey, I'm going to give you a freedom. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay. I can solve that. But don't you have a relationship with me? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some resources. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to set you up for success. How cool is that? Has God given you things? Grateful. That's a wonderful word. Grateful. Contentment. Those are statements about what you have rather than what you are missing. I would ask you some basic questions this morning. And this is devotional that you have to take out of here and answer on your own because I can't answer this for you. How free do you feel? How do you understand your freedom in Christ? Two, what have you inherited? What you actually have that you need not wait for but currently exists? There's great answers to those questions. I can't answer them for you, but I know there's great answers for them. Lastly, promise you get freedom inheritance and promise you the worst relationship with god would be this is a really bad relationship with god would be this hey i'm gonna make you totally free and here's a whole bunch of stuff you could use great st- you everything you need ready good luck you're on your own hope it turns out And then stood back and said, I wonder how this is going to turn out. No, we get promise With that freedom, with that inheritance, we get a promise. And what's the promise? That we're in the family. That he'll always show up. That he's going to be on the scene. That he's been paying attention in the past. He's paying attention now. He'll pay attention later. And he says, you have the opportunity now to act like it. And I promise, if you act like it, It will work. There will be blessing. The people that come and talk to me and tell me about how a relationship with the Lord doesn't work, you know what they're really saying? It's not a blessing. I tried it for a while. Didn't work. I don't know if I believe it. You know what they really told me? They quit before they hit the blessing. They quit before they hit the promise. They quit before they really received the inheritance or recognized the inheritance that they had. They quit before they learned how to exercise their freedom. You know what they'd really forgotten? They'd forgotten the things that Paul talked about in the first three chapters, the fact that they'd been called, that they, ha- they could have an identity, that they could have faith. Faith in what? A promise. He's going to come and take care of things. Have you read the end of the book? I don't mean Galatians chapter 6. I mean the end of the book. Any guesses on who wins? Paul's saying, act like it. Believe that you're free, that you have an inheritance, and that he, he makes promises to you that if you follow him and you chase him, it'll work. Then anything can happen. And it's not chance. It's not horrid, and you need not fear it. But you can come through it. You think you can come through anything? I got a pretty awesome text message today. Not today, this week. Hey, Scott, just got my test back. I'm cancer free. Does that really happen? No, that's made-up stuff Christians come up with, right? That's what the world's going to tell you. It's a coincidence. No, it was the science that solved it. No. We had a woman that believed that, she doesn't call him Abba, Father, she calls him Papa God. Have given her freedom, inheritance, and a promise. Amen? Amen. Tootie? I called her Tootie because that's what the youth group nicknamed her 20 years ago. Her name's Judy. I'm not confused. I'm just having a little fun with her, right? Brian Cox gave you that name. Yep. Uh Are we blessed to be adopted? Amen. Amen? How can you enjoy that blessing? Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for your word. Thanks for your promises. Lord, I pray that we would understand that um, as important as what you have done are your promises. That we were meant to live in both. Thank you, Lord, that you call us adopted so that we might help us to understand, help us to experiment and practice, help us to call others into it, invite them. Listen to them. Pray for them. Pray, Lord, that you would work on us first. Show us the blessing. Let us experience it. And then give us the chance to share that so that others might as well. It's not easy for us to experience adoption and fully comprehend it, Lord. But I pray that you would have us in that process always. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. We thank you for this church and we pray you bless both. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Act like you're in the family. Amen? Go with him.